Views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of my fabulous sponsors or advertisers. Any content provided by our bloggers or authors are of their own opinions and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. This disclaimer was brought to you by DisclaimerTemplate.com. Hello, my lovely loyal listeners. (laughs) This is Just Miss Rose. And today is Monday, October 17th, 2022. And it is the wee wee hours of the morning on Monday. And I am so happy today for no reason. And I'm going to stay that way. And I want to take a moment out to thank you for joining me for today's episode of As the Massage Table Turns. Now, as you guys know, I have a lot on my mind. So I'm just going to you know, do the brief pause for the cause and then we're going to jump into today's episode. Thank you. And I love you for listening. We'll be right back after this brief pause for the cause. Fair use notice. This channel may make use of copyrighted material, the use of which has not always been specifically authorized by the copyright owner. This constitutes a fair use of any such copyrighted material as provided for in Section 107 of the U.S. Copyright Law. In accordance with Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107, the material on this channel is offered... All right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are back and we are on the website, themuse-com.cdn.ampproject.org. And you know, it will be in the description. And this article is titled, Four Ways to Get Over Your Fear of Confronting Employees. And it was written by Avery Augustine. As a manager, I probably shouldn't be admitting this, but in the hope that this will help another less than confident supervisor, here it is. I hate confronting employees. I dislike it so much, in fact, that for the majority of my management career, I flat out avoided it. And that meant that for a while, my employees got by with subpar work, disregard for company rules and policies, and minimal professional growth. All because I was too scared to have serious conversations with them about what they needed to do to improve. What was it exactly that I was scared of? Well, just about everything. I dreaded the awkward, I need to talk to you in private 
conversation starter, feared that I'd be labeled as the mean boss, and expected that my employee would lash out at me with snide excuses. And so I avoided it like the plague. But when I realized I wasn't only being unfair to my boss by not fulfilling my role as a supervisor, but to my employees who weren't gaining anything from my leadership, I knew something had to change. So here are four ways that I changed my actions and my mindset to get over my fear of confrontation. Number one, think from your employee's perspective. Okay, so your employees probably aren't thinking to themselves, man, I wish my manager would tell me I'm doing a bad job. But put yourself in their shoes. Imagine that you've been working day in and day out, thinking that everything's going fine until your manager comes to you one day and without warning announces you've been underperforming for months, so we have to let you go. Pretty unfair, right? Constructive criticism is never easy to hear, but... When it comes down to it, your employees would rather be told early on that their work is lacking rather than be surprised by more harsh action down the road. Simply by realizing that simply by realizing that confrontation becomes a little less intimidating. In the grand scheme of things, You're helping your team succeed and avoiding bigger problems down the road. Number two, make it routine. Because I avoided confrontation so adamantly, whenever I asked to speak with someone privately, it was laughably obvious that he or she was in trouble. It was reminiscent of when someone would knock on your classroom door in elementary school to announce, Anna, the principal would like to see you. And the entire class would resound with a chorus of ominous oohs. Every pair of eyes in the room would follow my employee and me as we walked away, making it pretty awkward for both of us. To help make things more comfortable all around, I knew I had to make these meetings more standard. So I set up bi-weekly one-on-ones with each of my direct reports. The content of each meeting, the content of each meeting varied widely. Sometimes I doled out praise and compliments. Other times I simply checked in on a project status. But occasionally, it gave me the chance to practice communicating constructive criticism. More than anything, the meetings got me and my employees talking on a regular basis, which helped me practice my confrontational skills. 
And as a bonus, when a bigger issue arose, my request to meet with an employee didn't incite such a grand event. Number three, steal yourself, S-T-E-E-L, yourself. Part of my tendency to avoid confrontation stemmed from a fear that once I presented an issue to one of my employees, he or she would simply deny it, argue with me, or make excuses. I didn't know how to deal with that, besides completely giving in and saying, okay, try better next time. I've found that the key to this is preparation. Turns out confronting someone is easier when you have plenty of documentation to prove your case. It's not enough to say, hey, I've noticed you seem a little less productive lately, which comes across as vague and can garner rebuttals like, I know everyone's workload has been like this week. On the other hand, when you have data to back up your points, you can let the information speak for itself. So, maybe you show a decline of the employee's productivity in comparison to his or her teammates, or compile a few emails from less than satisfied clients that he or she has been working with. As long as you have firm examples to point to, you'll be able to minimize backfire from your employee, and that will make your confrontation a little easier. Number four. Realize you're not being mean. One of my early and most naive arguments against confrontation was that I felt like I was being mean toward my employees, like I was nitpicking or micromanaging, or that if I just left it alone, the problem would go away on its own. But consider this. If your job requires you to turn in a report every Monday and you don't turn in a report on Monday, you're not doing your job. And in that situation, would it be mean or unfair of your manager to sit you down to let you know that missing a deadline is unacceptable? No, in fact, you'd probably expect it. Sometimes when I need to confront my employees, I have to remind myself that holding them accountable for their work isn't mean or unfair. It's my job. And truthfully, your employees expect and benefit from that kind of tough love. Nothing will be the magic cure to suddenly make you enjoy confrontation. For me, it came down to changing my approach and getting it in the right mind. Wait a minute. For me, it came down to changing my approach and getting in the right mindset. To realize that I wasn't being harsh or unfair to my employees by confronting them. I was doing them, I was doing them a disservice by refusing to. This was updated 6-19-2020. As a full-time manager at a tech company, Avery is constantly finding and writing about new ways to better encourage, lead, and motivate her team. 
In her spare time, she enjoys listening to live music, attempting to sew, and discovering dive bars and hole-in-the-wall restaurants. One day, she hopes to publish a memoir, adopt a Great Dane puppy, and find the perfect shade of red lipstick. All right, and that is the conclusion of that article from themuse.com. Four ways to get over your fear of confronting employees by Avery Augustine. And we'll be right back after this brief pause for the cause. All right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are back and we are on the website macmonroe.com and this article is titled How to Deal with a Non-Confrontational Boss by Mac. What do you do with the boss who won't use their authority to actually be the boss? What if you work with someone who delegates the tough tasks for someone else to do? How do you handle the boss who refuses to take charge? I'm going to suggest seizing control if the boss won't choose to exercise it. Now, before I blast this bad boss, let me suggest that in some ways, this behavior can be explained. Many people think the path to organizational success is to work your way to the top. In fact, being at the top is a sometimes daunting place to be. Nobody can prepare you for the hassles and stress that await you. In the face of that stress, the new boss may turn back to old habits, behaviors, and even tasks that they held before the promotion. And confronting problems? They either go completely over the top or they shrink away. You have no control over how your boss makes this transition. Here's what you can do. Number one, start asserting yourself. If you've always wanted to try something new or do something a different way, this is your chance. Get your act together, build the process, and put it into practice. Number two, Take charge of your immediate area. You don't need positional authority to be a leader. I know you probably don't agree, but keep in mind, leadership doesn't need a title to happen. Management does. Start thinking strategically and voice your thoughts. Demonstrate you know how to add value and get busy doing it. Number three, be a good example. If your boss is a big wuss, be the opposite and act decisively. This is your chance to show the higher-ups you're qualified for bigger things. There are some people who wait for opportunities to come to them. If you have this type of wimpy boss, 
you have an opportunity to really demonstrate your worth. Get busy this week building your own leadership and management skills. And if you're this type of boss, you're a complete disappointment to me. Somebody thought enough of you to hire or promote you to that leadership role. You better start acting in that role or find another line of work. Leadership is a privilege. Treat it as such. The boss builder is recognized by SHRM to offer professional development credits for the SHRM CP. Okay. So this is some type of recertification. Professional development credits. Okay. Oh, that's the end of that article, Kiki. Okay. And that was the end of that article from Mac Monroe. How to deal with a non-confrontational boss. And we'll be right back with another exciting article on today's episode of As the Massage Temperatures. I love you for listening. It's time for Dictionary Definition of the Day. Today's dictionary definition word of the day is incendiary. It's an adjective of a device or attack designed to cause fires. It's also a noun, an incendiary bomb or device. Incendiary. And we'll be right back. All right, my lovely loyal listeners, we are back. And our next article comes from the website fastcompany.com. And this article, written on January 15, 2021, is titled Five Strategies to Smoothly Handle a Workplace Confrontation. The act of confronting someone can be awkward and stressful. Here are a few strategies to skillfully approach the encounter. Some situations at work urgently require a confrontation. Maybe it's a gripe you have with your coworker, your boss, your neighbor, or even your spouse. But instead of confronting the problem, you ignore it. You rationalize away having the conversation by saying, it's not that big of a deal, or the confrontation will make it worse, or it'll work itself out. Instead, the problem festers and grows until you're reading into every text, email, and Slack message for proof that the person has it out for you. And yes, The act of confronting someone can be awkward, uncomfortable, and stressful. For these reasons, many people avoid confrontations altogether. 
As the CEO of a growing company, I see confrontations as one of the most important ways to maintain positivity and productivity at work and at home. Here are a few strategies for making your next confrontation a success. Don't sugarcoat things. One of the simplest ways to begin a confrontation is to acknowledge that it will be uncomfortable. It seems counterintuitive since you would think keeping things as positive as possible would only help. But doing so actually hurts your chances of success. When you begin your conversation with compliments and kind words, the person on the other end winds up waiting for your inevitable but. Starting the conversation off directly without wrapping it in rosy prose sets the scene for a more open dialogue about the problem at hand. By preparing someone with the knowledge the conversation will be difficult, you tell the person what to expect and let them know you would like to address areas that are important to you. For example, consider starting the conversation by saying, I wanted to talk to you about something important to me. I've been avoiding this conversation for a long time and I'm hoping you can let me finish my thoughts before you interject. These opening sentences establish the intent of your conversation and also make it clear that you would like the opportunity to speak without interruption. Use I instead of you or we statements. Putting someone on a defensive will only hurt your confrontation. When someone is in a defensive state, they are thinking solely of protecting themselves and deflecting shots in their direction. This state of mind is not conducive to active listening, which will make it impossible for your conversation to be successful. Instead, phrase everything you say with I and avoid needless incendiary language. Insidiary language. For example, don't tell someone that you didn't listen to me and deliberately ignored what I said, despite how satisfying that might feel, because their response to that language will be to fight instead of listen. Instead, Rephrase and appeal to emotion by saying, the way our meeting went made me feel like my opinion didn't matter to you. You should also avoid we statements. These types of statements imply you're having conversations about the person behind their back. Keep your conversation between you and the other person without referencing or scapegoating other individuals. For example, we are all unhappy with your tardiness is not effective, while I have been unhappy you have been late is a much more constructive statement. Use 
Stick to the facts, not emotions. The easiest mistake you can make in a confrontation is slipping from purely factual content to opinions derived from your emotions. Remember, emotions are not facts. Let's say you're upset with someone for being consistently late to a meeting. It's effective to say you were late on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday of this week. That is unacceptable and has to change. Rather than, it's clear you don't care about being on time because you're always late. Stick to the facts and you'll find your confrontations going much more smoothly. An important side note. If the person you are talking to disputes some of your facts, don't get defensive yourself. Listen to them and be willing to accept that you may be wrong about one or more of the facts while still being correct about the issue at hand. Control meeting hijacking. People are quite good at deflecting to avoid addressing issues head on. For example, the person could get emotional and pivot to talking about a personal issue. When this happens, the natural tendency is for you to go into soothing mode and comfort the person and talk about that personal issue with them in the moment. Resist that temptation reinforce the reason for the conversation and offer to speak about their personal issue another time. Remember, this confrontation is your conversation. Listen intently and don't interrupt the person venting, but make sure to get back on track and take control of the conversation to ensure you get it out you get out of it what you need it. It's worth noting that some confrontations get emotional. In the rare situation that someone gets very temperamental, angry, starts crying and or lashes out, offer to reschedule the conversation for another date or time where the person can be calm and focused. Keep in mind the relationship. The entire point of having a confrontation is to get a better, more productive place in your relationship with the person. Be clear about what bothers you, what your expectations are for the future, and let the person respond and commit to what you're looking for. Navigate confrontations successfully. Wait a minute. Navigating confrontations successfully is an art form. The amazing thing about them, however, is if you use these tools and techniques, you will be more consistently happy, positive, and productive in and outside of work. Now, this was written by Corey Weiner. And Corey Weiner, or it might be Weiner, Weiner, is CEO of June Group, a New York-based company delivering full-screen video display and rich media campaigns 
for advertisers, which helps to drive millions of opt-in page views for leading publishers. And that is the conclusion of this article on fastcompany.com. Five strategies to smoothly handle a workplace confrontation. And we'll be right back with yet another exciting article on today's episode of As the Massage Table Turn. Or should I say today's Monday episode of As the Massage Table Turns. I love you for listening. All right, my lovely loyal listeners, that is the conclusion of today's episode of As the Massage Table Turns this Monday, October 17th, 2022. You know the rules. Don't let anybody take you out of your square because you are the only you in the entire universe and nobody is doing a better job of being you than you. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Thank you so much for your lovely little listenership. And we will talk with you again on Wednesday on the next episode of Ask the Massage Table Turns. And please support my sister podcast, Just Miss Rose and you. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye.